0: Welcome back to Birds of View. When it comes to the orals, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is March 25th, 2019. This is episode 261. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on this week's show, we'll hear from the roar from 34.
1: We'll also get to the
0: truth of the matter. The truth of truce. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake. What are you imbibing on this evening?
1: I am drinking a Loose Cannon IPA from Heavy Seas, the grandest of beers. And who provided you that beer? I don't remember.
0: But someone gave it to you.
1: Yes. I have I have recently had a celebration of a trip around the sun, and so a popular gift was uh, folks buying me beer. So okay. someone bought it for me who, who loves me. Uh, Jake, I'm
0: doing Amador Double Barrel Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey Aged in Napa Valley Wine
1: Barrels. I'm sorry, you're drinking bourbon. Bourbon. What, so, that had ice in it. So this is the drunk Gary Thorne. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I like to hear.
0: <laughs> is that what you're looking for? That That's it. Okay. Uh, if you want to find out what we're drinking on a daily, weekly... Or whenever you feel like it, basis. Uh, check us out on Untapped. You can follow me at megn eight six zero six.
1: I'm at Jake E four zero two five.
0: And with that, uh, let's go ahead and dive on over into the medical wing. Jake, we knew this was going to happen. We knew a starting pitcher was eventually going to go down this season, and it was going to get ugly really quickly because, well, the Royals have no depth. Um, fortunately, it happened right before the opener for the season. Uh, Alex Cobb goes down with a right groin strain in his final start of spring training, um, came out after one inning. Uh, you know, Chris Davis mentioned on the interview, he said he knew something was wrong. Um, you know, there's been no MRI schedule. I think it's going to be a situation where they're just going to kind of monitor the groin, um, as it were, which we all do. We monitor the groin. Uh, Jake, uh, being put onto the 10-day injured list, Um, concern that he's going to be back in the 10 days? Or do you think it's a situation where this has a tendency to dwell, as it were, and we don't see him back until maybe the end of April?
1: No, I'm not really that worried about it. I think he comes back, he makes his start, uh, you know, for the home opener. I wonder if this is the type of deal where if it was the regular season, you know, he'd limp off the mound, he'd get some treatment and he'd be back and he'd be fine.
0: Okay. So you're not worried whatsoever. Do you think that at some time during April, he will be back?
1: I have so many good things to be concerned about for this team. This is just not one that, that moves the needle for me.
0: All right. So Austin wins, also went on to the 10 day, uh, injured uh, injured list um I, I mean i think this is more maybe some roster manipulation mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but i mean again you're not this doesn't even move the needle
1: for you does it no i mean he's a guy that can be optioned once he comes back anyway uh this is you know the orioles brought in now at this point four catchers mm-hmm. uh and they want to keep them all on the 40-man roster this is the way you do it no it's fine
0: and then the other one would be Mark Trumbo being moved to the 60-day DL. Um, that means he's not going to be eligible to come back until sometime in May. You know, this is Mark Trumbo's last season with the Orioles. Um, You know, people thought that maybe he could come back. He could kind of raise his trade value. Maybe he could go off to some other team. Um, do you see that even being a possibility now with him being out for 60 days?
1: I don't. Uh, Let me tell you what the, the value of Mark Trumbo is right now. Mark Trumbo being on the 60-day DL is a great thing for the Orioles so that they can keep rule five players and so that they can keep people on the 40-man roster. The fact that they're not trying harder to bring Mark Trumbo back to contend to win ball games just means that he's another guy on a team where they're going to make the best moves as possible for, you know, five years down the line. My-
0: I-, I hear what you're saying. I couldn't disagree with you more. Um, With seeing such a young team, ultimately, we need someone in that clubhouse that's going to be the fun place. We can't have these guys losing control, having fun in the locker room, playing a little Fortnite. That's just not acceptable. And Mark Trumbo not being in that locker room, who is going to lay down the law? Chris Davis? Guy couldn't find a bat to smash all the TV if he could find it. Even if he did, he would probably miss the TV. Trey Mancini? The quote-unquote old man. Dude probably plays Fortnite just like the rest of the youngins do. See, now you're assuming that Mark Shumbo didn't hurt his knee
1: dancing to Fortnite.
0: Uh, He could have been doing the Carlton. There you go. That's a possibility. Uh, Jake, I don't think there's anything else going on in the medical wing, so why don't we go to 280 characters or less this week on the
1: Twitters? All right. uh, Here's something that I find concerning. It is a well-reasoned tweet And that's probably why it's getting trashed. This is a tweet that comes from Ken Wyman, who tweets at Ken Wyman Sport. We can all agree the hashtag Orioles aren't going anywhere this season. So why do we care if Chance Sisko, Austin Hayes, and others have to wait a couple of months before they're in the majors? It's going to be a long road. Be patient. Mm -hmm. Orioles fans don't want to hear that. We want to get upset. We want to get emotional over... The <laughs>
0: when have Baltimore fans ever been patient? Fair enough. I should take that back. When has ever any sports fan base ever been patient, especially on Twitter? It is a good question. Yeah. Jake, it's time to say goodbye. Our love affair with a name has come to an
1: end. Oh, no.
0: This tweet comes from Rockabaco at Mass and Rock. The Orioles have acquired right handed pitcher Tyler Herb from the San Francisco Giants in exchange for outfielder Mike
1: Yastrzemski. Yastrzemski. That's the only reason that this kid is even notable.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we talked about this before for years upon years, and Mike Yastrzemski always came out as being prospected as, at best, a fourth outfielder, probably more like a fifth outfielder. He's no better than Anthony Santander. Um, anybody thinking that he was going to replicate the success and turn into this you know, great player— well, they're looking for fool's gold. So, yep, it's one of those situations where you turn it over, and with the plethora of talents you have in the outfield right now, Mike Stremsey wasn't going to sniff Norfolk. So you might as well go ahead and, again, get additional pitching depth for this
1: organization. Absolutely. All right, next, uh, well, let's take a look at an old friend. And that's right, kids watching horror for free. The Orioles offer kids cheer free program again in 2019. Tweets John Mioli, who tweets at John Mioli. Were you surprised to see uh, kids cheer free back?
0: I didn't know it ever left. Me neither. Like, I was it just a formality that it had to be announced, or like was it a situation of like, hey, we're not going to say anything, so that people have to buy the dugout club, but in reality, we know that we're going to be bringing it back again this year.
1: I I, I don't understand. Um. Is it they just wait for a you know a quiet week where they're like, oh, we're not getting any publicity. Quick, let's announce this thing. I have no idea. It makes
0: no sense. Um, I, I don't get it. But Jake, if the kids are actually going to attend Cannon Yards, the question is, who are they going to be rooting for? And this next tweet comes from Camden Chat at Camden Chat. And this comes from an interaction that was on Masson with uh, sideline reporter Sarah Perlman. And uh, it goes as follows. Sideline reporter Sarah asked a kid, Who's your favorite player on the team right now? Kid pauses. It was Manning Machado, but he left. So I don't have a favorite Oriole anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It is the truth of truths.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, the next tweet. The next tweet is about complicated emotions, Scott. You know, we're having a hard time latching on. Jake, at this point of your life, you're going to go through changes. <laughs> <laughs> Can... Can you draw this out for me? Can you whiteboard it? Your voice may get lower. All right, all right, all right. Um, We just talked about the fact that we don't have former Orioles presently. What about former Orioles, uh, favorite Orioles past? This is a tweet that comes from Rich Dubroff, who tweets at Rich Dubroff MLB. Former hashtag Orioles infielder Ryan Flaherty invoked his opt-out clause from the hashtag Indians. Second time in two springs he did that. Last year... Opt out of hashtag Phillies and signed with hashtag Braves. He was gone in a flash. Here's the thing. Can, can we see news like Ryan Flaherty has opted out of, his, out of his deal without at least a small part of us, the quiet Homerism part of us saying, come back, flash, come back, come back. Jake,
0: last tweet goes into the category of just take my money. This is a tweet in response to Joe Tressa indicating that uh, the roster was going to come down to Paul Fry and Evan Phillips for the final spot in the Orioles bullpen. And Mike Petrillo tweets as follows, trade for John Jay, Phillips, Jay Fry. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to delete it. It's, it's good work. It's good work. It's good, it's good work. All right, Jake. Um, you know, we've got to make sense again of this season that's coming up. And in typical bird's eye view fashion, we're going to go back to the watering hole and we're going to go pull up an old friend to have a conversation with us to prepare us for a disastrous season waiting for us.
1: You found him in a watering hole? If you listen to Bird's Eye View on even an occasional basis, then you already know who Matt Taylor is. Simply put, Matt Taylor is one of the most fun content creators in the Orioles' new media space. I greatly admire Matt's writing. He makes the fan perspective that he provides compelling by weaving a wicked sense of humor into excellent storytelling. All this makes his blog, The Roar from 34, a must-read from Orioles fans. What's more, we've learned over the years that Matt is one of the nicest human beings you'll ever chance to meet. Matt Taylor, welcome back to Bird's Eye View.
2: I'm just going to hang up and listen. I can't top that. So,
1: <laughs> Well, it, it's become tradition, Matt. We we seem to always have you back right at the at tail end of spring training as the Orioles season is, I mean, spring training is winding down. Uh, why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Why do we choose this moment when nothing is happening to try to talk about the Orioles?
2: I, I think we must just really like a challenge, and and this year it's, quite the challenge
1: (laughs) it is indeed i I think we need uh first to start with the the most important question um and no i'm not i'm not asking beatles versus stones because we've already we've already done that with you walk us through day one okay after signing the 12-year 430 million dollar deal what does fu money look like for matt taylor what what are you doing with a gigantic contract
2: Wow, this is this is a really, really good question. Um <clears throat> Wow. I I have to do some thinking on this. I yeah, I I think I'm coming in and I'm I'm playing it cool. Um and just not mentioning anything about it, kinda of like the guy that gets, you know, his, his first you know big league home run and everyone uh you know ignores them in the dugout. I think I'm doing doing the reverse. I'm coming in with the big contract and I'm just ignoring everybody and acting like nothing happened, um, and seeing if anyone will, will bring it up with uh, bring it up with me and ask a loan. So I'm, I'm trying to play it cool. I'm trying to play, hey, no big deal, nothing to see here. Um, and then if, you know, if if someone brings it up, I'll say, hey, no no loans. You know, I'm not giving out any loans. Um, and I think after a while, I'd probably just turn into the you know the uh, the Barry Bonds. I would I would just you know have my own recliner and i would sit in it and you know fight jeff kent and anyone else that wanted to uh take me on and uh, just become a, a giant royal a-hole i think that's i think that's the path i'm looking at
0: how big would your head be at that point would it be like the size of um a watermelon or are we talking like a volleyball at this point
2: i think i'm going watermelon
1: okay man this is some excellent uh, hashtag content for baseball thus far we're we're off to a rousing start, man we mentioned Barry Bonds We're in good shape for this podcast. All right, next very, very important question uh and this is related to the Orioles roster. uh Matt, is your kid still a Renato nunez fan, or are we just creepily invoking your kid when we talk about him?
2: <laughs> well, you know, I haven't broken the news to him yet that uh Renato had a position all but assured and and got outplayed by a guy named Rio Ruiz, but um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's still familiar with the name and as much as I can get him interested, that'll, you know, that'll be the path. But uh, yeah, I, I've got to say that uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed Renato. You know, I thought that could be a mainstay. I thought that could be a continuing way to keep my son interested in the, in the team. And uh, Renato couldn't, couldn't hold it down in a camp that you know, wasn't really that competitive uh, in a, in a true sense. So Ronaldo's let me down a little bit. I got to be honest.
0: All right. So you mentioned the aspect of having to root for this terrible team and also share that, you know, memory for with your kid. And, you know, Roar from 34 really was, you know, created in the essence of basically writing about um, a franchise that had historical seasons. Um, and, and you basically brought about Roar, Roar from 34 to kind of give an emphasis to how great this team used to be um, during some really dark times uh, for Birdland. So now that we're entering back into that aspect, um, are we to assume that uh, writing is going to once again pick back up, and potentially you're going to internship your your son as part of a writing aspect going forward?
2: <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll spend a lot of time in the archives, I guess, looking uh, looking for content. Uh, it, it's funny I mean, that it really is. Where uh, after I got started blogging about the Orioles and you know, they were so bad that that really. Um, through the interest in doing more about history and talking about how good the team once was and, um, and, and providing regular content that way. But you know, one of the things that, has been on my mind, especially headed you know, after, after last season and headed into this season is that, you know, as, as Baltimore area fans, you know, whether it's Orioles, Ravens, those sort of things, you, know, you hate the organizations and their fans that, that always refer back to history. So when the Yankees are bad, we hear about how many championships they've won. When the Steelers are bad, You know, we hear about how many championships they've won. Um, But I I find myself in a unique spot now because, you know, that reputation of the Orioles is, oh, they're they're terrible. And you think, well, they are now, and I freely acknowledge that, but they had a a stretch where they were one of the best teams in the American League, and it's so quickly forgotten uh, because it's been surrounded by by so much misery. So I'm like, what do I do? I, I can't become that. You know, Yankees fan, that Steelers fan that says, "Well, you know, don't forget that stretch where the Orioles had the most wins of all AL teams," um, and yet there's a part of me that wants to to say, "Yeah, we suck now, but you know, we had a good stretch there." And so uh, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little stuck even just on on recent history of, of how much can we mention that and say, "Yeah, we're bad now, but you know, we we were really good there for a, for a stretch."
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting conundrum, and it's a situation I think that a lot of Orioles fans kind of gripe with or grip with in terms of. You know, they look back at those seasons between 2012 to 2016, and there is a lot of great memories. But ultimately, you know, getting swept by the Royals in 2014, ALCS, in, in essence, peaking. It's almost looking back and saying, yeah, I went to the Olympics and I got into the stand, but I got the bronze medal like no one remembers the bronze medal. Um, so, I, I mean, there's a lot of fun moments in there and there's a lot of good moments. But we've talked about this on the podcast, too. If you look back at the team from the seventies during the Weaver generation, I mean, Weaver's teams had some of the, you know, best teams out there and had the one of the greatest wins out there from the nineteen sixties through the nineteen seventies. But ultimately, that team is kind of a footnote because again, they didn't have a significant amount of world championships. I mean, do you do you consider that, you know, that stretch from two thousand twelve to two thousand sixteen an actual success that you would be willing to crow about it to other fans like Yankees fans or Red Sox fans? Or is this one of those things where like, oh yeah, it's nice and we can write a blog post about it, but it's not something I would crow in front of other fans like that.
2: Yeah, and I, I certainly wouldn't be you know, crowing about it, and, and especially relative to a conversation like that, at, relative to championships. But I, I guess the, the thing that's, that's interesting is really how, how quickly that period is kind of erased. And it, it just makes me more aware of <clears throat> what the Orioles' reputation is um, and how hard it's going to be to shake that because, you know, they, you know, they have a good stretch there, um, play good baseball, outperform expectations, win the division. Um, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't really do much to, to shift the perspective. Um, so what, what does it take to, to do that? What level, I mean, is it winning a world series that, you know, the Orioles will you know, not be just seen as, as you know the perennial losers. Um, is it sustained success? Is it both cuz it's the same success with a world series um mixed in and um you just realize how deeply entrenched that that perspective of the of the Orioles is and you know I am <clears throat> I'm in Tennessee and so as much as anyone recognizes uh even the name Orioles around here it's you know it's a quick invite to you know to to joking i um was uh, my son is, is playing baseball and we were warming up and one of the, the coaches was there throwing with his son and you know, something came up about the Orioles that he called everybody. So he's like, "Yeah, that's a that's a minor league team that that you know Matt over here is a big fan of." And um, that it, it was funny, but it's also kind of the perception that this is a, a losing franchise, and it, it's really it's, it's going to take more than I, I think I realized to to truly shake that. Um, yeah, I think among our own fans, but then especially beyond Baltimore.
1: You know, you you mentioned perspective. I I think that the further we get away from the 2012 to 2016 run, we'll probably have a better feel for what it was and what it meant. But I think, you know, aside from wins and losses, I think the exciting thing about having lived through that period was that a lot of fans who had spent the last 14 years with a team that was terrible remembered suddenly what it was like to fall in love with a baseball team and to Mm -hmm. fall in love with some of the the personalities, you know, when you look back at that era, some of the, the personalities that were the most, um, you know, the fans connected with the most were, you know, Mark Reynolds and Nate McLeod and, uh, Ryan Flaherty, you know, we're not talking about the, the great players of, of your, um, I think that the, the fun that baseball was again, I think is the thing that matters. Uh, obviously, the winning brought that, but the championship wasn't necessarily necessary for us to fall in love with the team. And I, I think that that is the thing that I will look back the the with most fondness is just, you know, how, how much fun it was, how emotionally invested we all were with the team in a way that we had kind of, you know, yes, we love the Orioles, but it had been a distant, casual relationship for a while.
0: I, I completely agree with you, Jake. And, you know, I think... Ultimately, this comes back down to Baltimore is not a city of champions. We're a city of losers is the best way to describe it. And I I don't mean that as a negative, but ultimately it's not a situation where – um, there's glamour or glitz, as it were, and we're not the one that is basically holding up trophies. It's this aspect where it's those kind of niche moments that really make up the Orioles. And, you know, you think back to one of the prolific aspects of the why not season in 1989. The Orioles didn't even make the playoffs, but it is still a season that is talked about to this point. Ultimately, though, I completely agree with you. I think it's all about the personality, and I think the personality and the stories um, that is so crafted well at Roar from 34com go check it out, um, It is really what's going to kind of enshrine this. So, you know, the situations from Adam Jones going around and pieing people, Buck's sassiness, um, you know, the amount of walk-offs, Manny Machado coming up in 2012 and, you know, pushing the Orioles into the playoffs. I think these are kind of similar memories for our generation that we saw during the 50s and 60s. And I think the sixties aspects is a really good example with the Baltimore Colts, where you look back at those teams during the 60s and you're like, man, there were a lot of really good teams there. You know, looking at some of the records, there were sometimes they didn't even make the playoffs even though they only had one loss. And then you again think to yourself of, man, Super Bowl three, if the Colts would have won that Super Bowl, you know, would they have had a different recognition? And I think that same aspect too of like If the Orioles would have won the 2014 World Series, would we be talking about this completely different? And would this still be a baseball town in essence in terms of, yeah, we understand and we're not going to walk away from it. um, But I think the personalities are going to basically be what we remember going forward, similar to like the Wild Bill Hagee of Memorial Stadium. I think for decades on, we're going to remember the 2012 to 2016 Orioles as a group of personalities that, again, Maybe overplayed um, their talent level and uh, basically were able to take it to the rest of the A at least.
2: And I think it, it provides a certain amount of fuel too to, to stick it out because, you know, it, it, we're obviously going to be a, several years away from um, any real contention. Um, and that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough prospect. It's tough as a fan to say, okay, uh, here we go again. You know, how do I stay invested? Um, and I think. Part of what what has me invested is you know that, that the hires they've made and that they they seem to truly have a vision and direction uh, that has been missing for for you know what it was missing almost entirely during the the fourteen years uh, fourteen years of losing. But uh, another part of that is that it the, the memories of you know the things that, that you've mentioned there and and the personalities associated with it and how much fun that actually was. It's giving you a taste and so. The thought of coming back to that again, I think provides motivation to to stick it out. I actually happened across an old tweet and I think it was uh, it was either from uh, two thousand twelve or two thousand fourteen that my wife had had posted um, but it was it was around the time of the playoffs and it was kind of a congratulations and talking about you know, basically this is this is why people stick with teams you know after all this time you get a chance to experience winning and it just reminded me of like especially you know, in, in 2012 even though that wasn't the, the high mark in terms of performance like what it actually felt like even though it was a one-game playoff and a, and a possibility of elimination to like be coming home from work and watching a playoff game you know and just how exciting that was um and then especially with them them winning it and now really being a part of the postseason that, that i went to a, um some of the games there at, at Camden Yards, and I can remember being there and, and just talking to my wife, and you know, imagining the possibility of them one day winning the World Series, and, and getting choked up, you know. And, and it kind of just hit me like, wow, how much this this means to me. So I think that it it, it does give that taste, uh, you know, especially for fans that that haven't uh, been through the success before or are too young to you know appreciate you know the late '90s to how how special that is to actually be winning and to think that that might be possible again at at some point uh, and how it really is more rewarding if you if you're stuck with the team that doesn't mean that you're watching you know 162 games this year and uh and keep keeping you know up with every last detail but that you know you still follow, you still care and not just like okay check back with me when you're good
0: Hey, hey matt can i ask you a question really quickly um did i hear correctly that you were stalking your wife's social media from seven years
2: ago that's exactly what I wanted you to get out of that. Yes.
1: Not a good yes. look, man. Yeah,
2: well, the, the, the jealous husband. Yeah, I want to put out a good image there to the world. The jealous husband that late at night sits and stalks his wife's old social media, making sure there's nothing in there from ex-boyfriends or anything. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I do when I'm not uh, writing blog posts. Did Let's Tommy Hunter
0: reach out to her in the 2012 <laughs> season? Is that what I'm hearing here?
2: <laughs> you guys always paint me into a corner and get me in trouble. Why do I keep doing this? We
1: don't know. We don't know. All right, uh, let's talk about this year's team. I because, do we have to because we have to. Okay. Yeah. Um. Let me ask you this That's and back to episode one. Collect yourself uh, for this response. But what player are you looking forward to watching in
2: 2019? Well, and I thought this was a hard question last year. Um, <laughs> so. You know, I, I think that you know there's there are some easy answers. I think just given the um, the arrival in Baltimore last season, that the the pride of the Campbell Camels, Cedric Mullins, is one that you know, it'll be fun to watch him, especially on the defensive side and uh, center field. Um, so, so he's one you know I'm, I, I guess excited to see. I'm excited you know hopefully to see some of these younger guys uh, get a shot later in the season. Um, I don't know if it, it excited is the, the right word um, to go with, but um, you know I'm I'm curious and kind of interested in in the, the two acquisitions they did with the Rule Five um, with Richie Martin and Drew Jackson. Um, you know this this year's roster is it's it's hard to get behind for a lot of reasons, but I mean the main reason I think about sticking with the Orioles, watching them, you know in in years to come is this idea that. You get to see this process you get to see the team being built you get to see the moves that elias is making and you know what are we getting from the international scouting what are we getting um, you know from this in, increased emphasis on uh you know analytics and, and the stat side of things but this year we don't really get to see that because we've still got you know holdovers from the, the duquette regime we haven't really seen elias he hasn't had a chance to put his stamp on the organization but so that's why guys like Richie Martin and Drew Jackson interest me, that they're Rule 5 pickups. They came into camp, and, you know, Richie Martin you know, played great defense at shortstop from everything I've read, and so now, you know, it looks like he's going to be there. Drew Jackson, a shortstop, has you know, made himself into a versatile player and and is going to provide some some value. Now, now, granted, because they're Rule 5, I mean, that gives them a leg up to to stay in camp. But that those are the guys I'll be more interested in seeing as, you know, Elias goes around and tries to, to – pick up talent and acquire it wherever he can, um, to see, see how they do, see how they develop. Um, and then from, from there, just be keeping an eye on, you know, is there any difference in, in development? Um, do we see improvements from guys with a different, as as we get a different approach, different organizational philosophy, do we get to see any change in, you know, in, in the pitchers, do we get to see a change in the minors and and young guys that, that come up? Um, and then, yeah. Just from the from uh, the the pure ridiculous you know perspective, we we had Jesus and Cleats, Matt Weathers for, for so long. Now we've got Jesus and Cleats behind the plates and then Jesus Sucre. So, you know, there's there's that going for us too.
0: So I'm gonna write down because 'cause we we're only looking for a name here as opposed to a long rambling thing. I'm gonna write young boys down for Matt Taylor on this answer. No,
1: i I I got Jesus out of it. You that. got Jesus? I got Jesus. Young Boys and Jesus? Young, young boys and Jesus. Okay.
2: Um, I do not like where this is going
1: <laughs> 12 years ago or seven years ago, rather. All right. Let me ask you this. What do you think is the toughest medicine you'll have to take this year? Meaning what do you think will be, you know, the thing that is the right move, but will be the most unpleasant to watch.
2: Ooh. I mean, I, before it, before you completed the question, the toughest medicine is just watching Chris Davis and figuring out what they're going to do with him. Cause they're just so painted into a corner with him. Um, but you're, you're talking more in terms of a, a move that they'll have to make that will be difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, basically I'm, I'm asking for, for your suffering. So you can take this in any different direction you wish.
2: I mean, I do, I do look at that Chris Davis situation and I, I want to see how that plays out because there really are so few options there. The early indications, you know, based on spring training are that, you know, this this doesn't look like the revival season, and all of a sudden there's there's reason to cheer, um, and so I, I think from a, a big picture perspective, I'm really interested since there there aren't as many of the, the players that reflect the regime, Like I, I want to see the approach and philosophy um, on the field. Uh, you know, what what does Brandon Hyde bring? What is the philosophy there? You know, is this a team that that suddenly values speed and stolen bases, uh, whereas it once didn't and, and was more about Power, but as part of all that, I'm I'm really interested to see how do you address this Chris Davis situation, um, and what does that that say you know for the organization, uh, especially as it comes to you know you, you've locked yourself into a position where you have really limited flexibility. We've made Trey Mancini into a subpar left fielder, uh, all at the sake of, of you know keeping uh, first base, and then I guess you've had Trumbo and DH kind of locked up there. So how do they get themselves out of this this mess? And you know, if it's all about young talent as they're saying, how do you get that young talent on the field? And you know, I think about fans are going to be frustrated even knowing that we have low expectations. So I expect, you know, who who are you going to take the anger out on? Right? You know, it it used to be Duquette, that was an easy target. Well, the easiest target this year is going to be Chris Davis. So it could get really ugly with him. So that that's what I want to see. The toughest medicine for me would be watching them just roll him out. You know. Every day and have him playing first base and and not really make a decision with it. Um, so I think for me that's one of the big questions where I'll get to see kind of the the organizational philosophy and get to see how do they deal with a really tough situation. are you Are you ready to just you know sit sit Davis down for a while and uh, not emphasize his his role in the team and say, look, it really does matter about developing young talent?
0: So, Matt, you know, we, we talked about it going into 2019, you know, the wins, the losses, it doesn't really matter. In fact, you know, the opening day roster, it doesn't really matter. Um, and you mentioned before about, you know, you're really encouraged by the Michael Elias hiring, the, you know, the analysis going back to a kind of a sabermetric approach. But what does failure look like for the 2019 Orioles? What makes you, um, what would make you cringe, as it were, and say, I don't really know if I like the way this is going um, in terms of this whole rebuild scenario.
2: I think part of it is is the handling of the Davis situation, but I think even more so than that um, is you know if we get to you know June and July, and we're not able to to really acquire any any talent to trade anybody, um, I'm it's a weird position to be in. But I'm I'm rooting um, for for some of the existing starters to do really well so that we can trade them and get young talent. I'm rooting for Mark Trumbo to come back healthy and to um, you know, be serviceable enough at the, at the dish that they can offload him and get some young talent. Um, so for for me, you know, a, a failure would be not really, not really being able to acquire anybody um, of, of, and not that we're going to get a ton for, you know, Mark Trumbo um, or even you know, some of the, the starters, but, if we're in a position where we can't make, make any moves, I mean, cause that's really what it is now in, in terms of moving in a direction is, is just acquiring more talent. And that's what you hear Elias talking about is getting young talent and developing young talent. Um, so for me, that would, that would be it. And I guess also if we really don't get a chance uh, to see some of these young guys that got sent down after spring training, um, you know, they, they, sure I, I I can buy a lot of need more seasoning, but you know, I'd like to see some of them um, up in Baltimore, but even if, even if we don't, you know, like to see market improvement, um, uh, in the, in the miners so that we can feel like, you know, from that development side that, yeah, these guys are being developed. And so there's reason to buy into that side of things as well.
1: Okay. So that's, that's the failure. Now let's move forward. It's now 2023. The Orioles are in contention having successfully orchestrated their rebuild. What Mike Elias moves do you look back and point to starting in 2019 that made all the difference? <laughs> I think hop, when he hop made in, that, pop in your DeLorean,
2: get rid of Chris Davis for a package of, of prospects. Um, <laughs> that was, that was the turning point for this. He turned the in those movie. magic
1: beans for the cow and.
2: You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it'll it, it'll be interesting and not that, and that really i mean that the core of that question is really what, it, what it's all about and why aside from just being connected to the team and and wanting baseball in in any form um that's that's really what it's about right is that from 2019 to hopefully that contention in in 2023 that you get to, to look at that and say yeah things are happening and then even more so as your question alludes to you look back and say Oh yeah, here were the trades that make the difference. Like, what what is the you know Bedard trade that that brings in a package, you know, um, that that's just pretty much theft that in, that includes Adam Jones, the, the face of the team for the time that he was here. Um, is there another deal like that, at, you know, in the in the works? But you know, my my guess would have to be that more more so than any trade, it, it's it's probably just a, a series of moves that maybe don't even seem that flashy at the time that uh, that make the difference in the, the player development piece. I think that's, that's so important because we think so much about, you know, the talent that we can get outside the organization and through draft picks and, you know, various pickups like that and even free agency as they get back to contention. But I think what, what can you do with the minor league system uh, that really shows player development? So rather than, it being a flashy name that, or or several flashy names that that come in, but rather someone that, you know, maybe even flew a little bit under the radar that through a solid development system in the minor league became, you know, or several guys became uh, major leaguers. So um, I'm I'm thinking more perhaps in in terms of a a slow build than a a big flashy move outside of the draft. I think the the draft is potentially where they, they might get some of the bigger names that'll go alongside the guys that they've developed internally.
0: So, Jake, throughout the year of 2023, as the Orioles potentially being contention, Matt, um, do you feel like 2023 is a realistic timeline, or do you think it's going to be longer than that?
2: Well, it depends how we define contention. I mean, if we talk about for a, a playoff spot, sure, with the I mean, second wild card, I could I could see you know getting within shouting distance of that. If we're talking about um, contention for the division, I think we're probably looking at a couple more, a couple more years down the line.
0: So in five years, when your wife is scrolling through your social media feed and comes across this podcast, she will see Matt Taylor was the one that orchestrated this whole aspect of getting the Orioles back to the playoffs. <laughs> she
2: she doesn't find me nearly as interesting as I find her. She will not be looking back through any of my, my timeline. Um, in fact, she'll say, you know, why, why did I have to uh, keep both of the kids out of the room so you could do that podcast interview again?
0: It is questionable activities that you partake in. And I'm glad to know that your wife has better taste than you do in terms of surfing through social media.
1: The way you describe that, though, I I assume that it's just like that guy on CNN whose family came busting in.
2: yeah it's a good thing we're not on video, right because you know, there you would see the kids uh, the kids coming. My son you know loves the the idea of podcasting, so every time he hears I'm doing a podcast interview, he's like, well, can I, you know, can I do that you know so I, at some point I'm gonna have to have him develop his own podcast. it'll probably not be an Orioles podcast, but uh you know, he just thinks they're the, the the coolest things and thinks I'm a big deal every time I do' them. so little does he know that uh we're talking about what was it But religion, young boys um <laughs> <it's>, yeah <laughs> I I hope he doesn't get older and scroll back through the timeline because if he looks back, it's like, good God, what was wrong with my dad?
1: We cover a lot of ground here on Birds Eye View. We it's the it's the hard hitting questions. Matt, fa- <laughs> Facebook's not going to be around at that point. Don't worry about it. It's you're not going to have to worry about it. Okay, like like MySpace, yeah. it'll lose about you know s- seven years worth of data. Yeah, it's
0: not true. The Russians will just have taken it over by then. So, uh, all right, Matt, we've got a really important question for you to end uh, this interview and take us into the 2019 season. So um we've asked you about beatles or stones in the past so that's off the table so let's ask this matt yay or nay on the white album
2: we're going we're going uh going off topic here um i'll I'll go yeah
0: and why
1: but by the way scott and i are going to fight about this all night (laughs)
2: So it's fair to say this is a regular discussion point with the uh, the two of you. Uh,
0: it it's it has come up a few times. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know there was going to be a, a follow up to this in terms of uh, defending my answer. After being so long winded with other things, I give you a, a, a short one there. Um,
0: this is the important conversation. OK, so what? the rest of
1: it didn't matter. T- tell you what, I'm going to let you off the hook by telling you that you're 100 percent right. And to reward you for having made such a fantastic uh, choice, I'm going to simply say this. Birds I View listeners, you absolutely need to be reading The Roar from 34. <laughs> it is uh, the home of, of great writing, fantastic stories. It's uh, humor and homerism. It's a, good, it's a good place.
2: Matt, where can let we... F- me, let, me, let me ask one question here on, on the White Album. Though. If I remember correctly, we've got Blackbird on there. It's true. Yes. There, there's my justification. There, I'll, I'll leave it at Blackbird.
0: Right, and what else is on that album?
1: <laughs> 33 oh, other God. songs. It doesn't matter. Leave him be. Okay. Matt, where it's we... kind of like the Baltimore Orioles. There's one... back,
2: back in the USSR, <laughs> you could use that. It's timely,
0: right? No, no, it's not timely. No. Look, it's like the Orioles. It, it's There's one or two decent songs, and the rest is absolute trash. Okay? And it's just like, let's just stockpile as much that we can, and maybe one of these will turn out to be a gem. And you know what?
1: it's not that many we're gonna get more hate mail than usual this week (laughs) matt where can we find you on twitter
2: you can find me at roar from 34 um and if i'm not actively tweeting at the moment it means i'm just looking back through my wife's timeline in a creepy way
1: fantastic matt taylor thanks for joining us on bird's eye view and hey enjoy the season
2: i'll do my best you guys do the same
0: You know, I feel more prepared now after talking to Matt uh, and getting ready for the do. 2019 season. I'm even more prepared now to scroll through our social media from seven years ago. But, uh, Jake, um, as we prepare for um, the beginning of the baseball season this week, Jake, the first game is this Thursday. Wait, this Thursday? This Thursday. As in a couple days from now. Yeah, I feel like we are still completely uninformed um, and an ultimate... Fashion, we need to get to the truth of the matter. So, Jake, uh,
1: you up for some truth or truth? Truth or truth?
0: Yeah, truth or truth. Let's do it. Jake, um, the Orders are going to play the New York Yankees uh, for their first series. Um, when the game concludes on Thursday, will you watch the Brandon High post-game conference just like you did every single Buck Showalter
1: post-game conference. Is your question, will I watch the first one, or will I watch all of them the way I watched Buck? Will you watch the first one? Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely.
0: And Jake, um, if that's the case, and if Brandon High gets up there and speaks in New York about the Orioles, will it sound something like this? <laughs>
1: Just, just curious. That is some serious archaeology. <laughs> I don't remember what episode that was from, but that is a while ago. I believe that was episode 48. Jeez.
0: Speaking of seven years ago. <laughs>
1: Somebody has some free time on their hands today, Scotty. All right. Let's be serious about this. Okay. Scott, the season is about to start. Okay. So I ask you the most important question. Scott Magnus. Yes. Truth. Or truth. Uh, I'm going to go with truth. Okay. Scotty. Do roster decisions coming out of the 2019 spring training matter in any way, shape, or form? Yes.
0: Really? Absolutely. How? Well, you're putting the players that need to develop uh, in the minors as opposed to putting them in meaningless games within the majors and you're allowing them to not accumulate additional service time so it's almost like the right moves are being made not to placate the fan base that is completely illogical hmm. Hmm. that's weird yeah it is weird uh jake we we talked about the the depth chart and again there's a a plethora of individuals and you know, in in classic bird's eye view fashion, we went through the 25 man roster and we were completely wrong um, due to a bunch of, bunch of injuries and stuff like that. But Jake, I'm, I'm left with the situation and then I'm really curious about where you stand with this. Jake, truth or truth?
1: Ah, geez. That's a tough
0: choice, but I'm, I'm going to have to go with truth. All right. Uh, Jake, um, I'm glad that you picked that because ultimately, um, I think it's time for us to, well, maybe get a little sexy in here.
2: Sexiest potpourri ever for 200. You're gonna love it.
0: That's right, baby. Let's turn the lights low and let's mix business with pleasure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That
1: was a lot more to love. Ooh, yeah. It's like Bird's Eye
0: View Greatest Hits over here. So, Jake, uh, we talked to Matt Taylor about burritos and all that kind of <laughs> jazz, uh, but jake which one is the sexier player to you right now behind home plate jesus sucre or pedro severino because per stat cast each of these individuals have a really strong arm and it seems like that's what the Oros are really interested in is being able to manipulate the balls behind the plate and then be able to have a strong arm so jake
1: are you going a Jesus Sucre individual, or are you a Pedro Severina fan? Having seen neither of them, having uh, no logical reason, I'm going to go with Sucre. Okay, so you're going Jesus Sucre, pretty
0: much because Matt Taylor is a big Jesus fan. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. Poor Matt.
1: Poor Why Matt. does he keep doing this to himself? <laughs> Scotty, truth or truth? Uh, I'll go with truth. All right. Who is the unlikely player that Orioles fans are destined to fall in love with in 2019?
0: Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with Rio Ruiz. Ooh. I feel like Rio Ruiz has all the makings of the next Ryan Flaherty. Flash enough glove, have a few clutch hits. Rio Ruiz is my next Individual who is going to satisfy our sexy potpourri. So he's a
1: he's a flashy player, is what you're telling me.
0: He is going to flash it all over the place. You know, he'll be going up one corner, flash. Uh, he'll go into the next corner, flash. You know, it's going to be a flash scene throughout all of Baltimore. Ah. Yeah. All right, Jake. Last question for you: Truth or truth?
1: Oh, jeez. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm gonna go truth,
0: Jake. Um, who is going to be the fifth starter for the Baltimore Orioles?
1: Oh, who is going to be the
0: fifth starter for the Baltimore Orioles? So right now we've got um,
1: Andrew Kashner, mm-hmm.
0: uh, Dylan Bundy, yeah, yeah, uh, David Hess, yep, Mike Wright. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Man, is your question who's going to start as the fifth starter, or are you talking like once? Alex Cobb comes back and we're complete. Who's the fifth starter? First of all, um, I still have major concerns
0: that you believe that Andrew, uh, Alex Cobb is actually going to come back um, in a timely manner. I still think it's going to be at least a month. Um, If you had to pick Mm -hmm. a pitcher Mm -hmm. to come in and pitch as the fifth starter, um, who are you selecting? I'm going to go with... Jimmy Yacobonis. You're going with Jimmy Yacobonis. Yes.
1: And not because I want to, because that's what the Orioles roster has in store for me.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I honestly think that the Orioles need to be smart about this. And um, ultimately, this is always about getting better for the future, as Matt Taylor mentioned. So we talked about last week in terms of rule changes. And we talked about the aspect of needing to potentially have a two-way position player. So, I can't think of a better opportunity to get Chris Davis some time starting games and then also playing the field and be a two way positional player. I mean he could be
1: the next Shuya Hotani
0: out there in the field,
1: but just as you indicated last week, the Orioles need to give up six runs uh in order to get him there to qualify as the two year uh, two way player no no, 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 if he starts the game, okay, then it's
0: perfectly fine okay so I just think we just have to have him start the games going forward, and we can make this happen. I mean, there's no better way for us to recoup our salary and potentially, you know, get an initial war by then just making him a two-position player at this time. I and mean, you really can't tell me that Chris Davis is any worse than Jimmy Yacobonis no.
1: out on the mound. No, I can't. And and I have at least one game's worth of uh, of data to one support day. it. Yep. Yep. And one data point is great, right? Those were different times. Matt Taylor's wife
0: was tweeting different folks all over the place on twitter
1: poor man all right scott magnus before we go any further yes the most important question that yeah. you will face this evening yeah truth or truth uh i'll go truth all right that's a good choice this isn't about you scott okay i'm gonna ask you the question but i'm not attacking you this is not about you okay this is about all of us birds on view listeners get get introspective all right, I want you to... So should I close my eyes? <laughs> I want you, listeners, to put yourself in Scott's place. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. It's terrible. It's frightening. I want you to answer along with Scott. Scott, you are merely the the mouthpiece for Birdland right now. Oh, yeah. Scotty, how many Orioles games do you think that you will, in some tangential way, participate in this season? I'm talking attendance. I'm talking watching on the television listening on the radio, do you think it's better than 50%? Do you think it's better than 75%? And whatever the number is, how do you think it compares to your past years of engagement with the Orioles?
0: So I'm going to go uh, in classic Baltimore in style, uh, and I'm not going to give myself a number. Uh, instead, I'm going to give myself a, a grade, as it were, so I'm going to go with a Chris Davis average for games for this season.
1: Ooh. Yikes.
0: feel like I might be floating around that 180 to 200 line going forward for this season.
1: I'm interested to see what happens this year because even those of us who are diehard fans. We're talking like seeing the games
0: through completion or at least a majority of games. We're not talking like watching like two or three innings. We're saying... Right. I'm sitting down, just like we did during Golden Age baseball, and I'm literally sitting there from the first inning all the way through the ninth inning and watching this game or, you know, taking up to the seventh or eighth inning and being like, "Up, it's not going to be the night. We're going to walk away from this.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Chris Davis's average for the for the 2019 season. I'm curious as to how, you know, even the most dedicated of us will engage with the Orioles this season. I, I think with the expectations so low, you know, and again, we've been joking around a lot about that over the last couple of weeks. It, it'll be interesting to see, like, how, especially when the losses pile up, you know, how how we will engage. It it, it will be a different feel this year.
0: You know, we talked about this last year um, during, you know, the 2018 season when we knew it was over uh, and the rebuild had begun.
1: You mean day two?
0: Yes. And, and we talked about this of ultimately uh, the, the game becomes um, superfluous and becomes white noise, as it were. And I, I think to a certain regard, that's still going to happen, as it were, of I will still, you know, go out onto my deck. I'll be drinking a beer, maybe eating some crabs, and the game will be on the radio in the background. But without any people that I, you know, recognize on the field and without Joe Angel being there and with me having to listen to Mike Bordick more, there's only one redeeming fashion for me to turn into games now. And it's to see Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer talk and banter back and forth. Past that, no, there really is nothing here that is of interest to me moving forward.
1: (laughs) It shall be an interesting experience. Yeah. All right, Scotty, what do you say we uh, what do you say
0: We say blow the safe? All right, let's go ahead and uh, take this to a close.
1: All right, we talked a lot about, uh, hey, the Orioles are going to be terrible. Hey, this season is going to be difficult. We also talked with Matt about loving baseball. And we do. We all love baseball. I mean, as cynical as we are here on this show, Scotty and I produce this podcast every week because we love baseball. And alcohol. (laughs) And alcohol. But there's something about baseball fans and a community of baseball fans I think that is truly special. Um, We're going to have to look for those things to sustain us over the next X years. The next... Several years, I saw something on the Orioles Reddit that you know it made me feel some feels, uh, and I and so I wanted to uh, to to throw up some some credit where it is due to an Orioles community of Did fans. You just really, do say throw up? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, somebody stopped by the Orioles subreddit, an Indians fan uh, who had a dad who grew up in Baltimore and had some some Baltimore memorabilia, and thought that if he posted a picture, some Orioles fans uh, might enjoy it and mentioned that, you know, his dad had just passed away. Uh, and the entirety of the rest of that thread was simply Orioles fans who didn't know this guy from Adam saying, hey, so sorry to hear about your dad. Uh, thanks for sharing. Well, one guy even saying, hey, look, I'm really sorry about your loss. If you need to talk to somebody, just send me a message. We'll work it out. It's kind of nice to see total strangers embrace each other For no reason other than the fact that they love a stupid game way too much. And so if you are discouraged Orioles fans about what's going to happen this year and next and the, and the, you know, moving forward, just remember this. Baseball, even terrible baseball brings people together in ways that is unimaginable. The emotional connection that you have with your team, with your community and with fellow fans is, is truly what makes the thing worth doing. So hold on. Hold on.
0: But we're always right and they're always wrong, right? That's the way this works?
1: Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And that, that is our show. So remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com.
0: Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and Spotify. And remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the
1: feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time come get social with us you can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com you can find us on social media on instagram facebook and snapchat but the best way to get a hold of us is on twitter where we tweet at birdseyeview bal and with that baltimore and beyond i'll bid you all a fond adieu adieu good night baltimore be safe out there and let's go o's You looking forward to opening day? Absolutely. Doesn't doesn't matter how the season's gonna go, opening day is great. Except if it rains. The home opener will be great.
0: Except if it rains.
1: Then the day after the home opener will be great.
0: What if it rains that day too?
1: It'll be great, Scott. It'll be great.
0: Is Michael Gonzalez fishing?
1: Let it rain.